So we're in this series called Birds of a Feather, and I want to do just a little setup, but then I want to talk specifically about um, like dads and fathers and what that looks like in our country. And, and if you're not a father in here, you say, well, that just doesn't really connect to me. Maybe I'll take off. No, that's the point of where we're getting to in this message is like we can all stand in the gap. We can all reach the next generation. We can all uh, stand and, and relate and connect with, with the generation uh, that we see now, but then also that are coming up. And so don't think, well, you know, my kids are out of the house or whatever. I don't really have that same type of responsibility we all do, you know, especially as a church, we're called to, um, to step in and, and to be a covering uh, to the next generation and the now generation. Amen. So we started this series by talking about Ecclesiastes 4.9. And we talked about how birds of a feather flock together. You know, that's the idea is like, man, circles just find a way of finding each other. I shared a story how last week I was at um, Rothbury Double J uh, horse resort or ranch resort or redneck resort, whatever it is up there. And, um, and I was saying how, uh, all the horse people, they just find a way together, you know, and, and we, I took my daughter to the gas station and there was also a, a large motorcycle run. They don't call them races. They call them runs. And, um, and so literally there was thousands of motorcycles there. And, uh, and, and those, they flock together, you know, the same clothes, same style, same language, same thing. I was kind of messing around last week. Um, you know, if you don't know, if you don't flock together with those, you don't really know what you're talking about. So, you know, they pull up to the gas station. This guy's like, oh, that one over there is a da-da-da kind and whatever. He comes over to see it because it's got this thing. That one over there has got a Hemi in it, you know, I don't know is what I was saying. And, uh, and But they flock together like these circles, you know, just stick together. And um, that's okay. God created us that way. There's, there's power in that. There's power in unity, which we'll read here in a minute. And, but the thing is, anytime there's something that has power in Scripture, the enemy tries to use it to bring destruction. If he can twist it, if he can bend it, he can uh, take away from its power. And so it's important for us to kind of guard how we flock. And Ecclesiastes talks about the importance of flocking or connecting. It says, two are better than one. If one falls down, his friends can pick him up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And so it's healthy for you to have healthy people in your life that can pick you up and hold you accountable and, and live alongside you. Second Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? So we read that and we say, well, we better stay away from sinners. We can't be yoked together with sinners. Those of you that don't know what a yoke is, a yoke is something you put on two oxen. Uh, it's a thing that goes over their head and it holds them together. And when they plow, they plow in the same line. They plow in unity. They plow together. And uh, we spoke about that a little bit. And uh, so, oh, well, I guess we shouldn't hang out with non-Christians. That's not what it's saying. It's saying don't, don't be at the core with people who don't share their same values. You can be around them, but just don't get to the core with them. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. And so this scripture here says, what fellowship can light and darkness have together? And I shared the example of what it's saying is it doesn't make sense if you say, I want the things of God. I want kingdom principles. I want to live uh, the way that God has called us to. But then you spend all your time over here with people who don't share those values and encourage those values and speak those values into your life. It just doesn't make sense. It's like saying, hey, I'm going to be this big swimmer and I'm going to train to swim and I'm going to swim across the lake. I'm going to be this thing or whatever. And then the only way that I train for that is I actually just come over here and ride bikes. I just get on a cycling schedule. Well, that doesn't make sense because you're saying you want to be a swimmer, but you're like, training as if you're a bicyclist. You, it doesn't make sense that light and darkness are at the core together. They don't go together. Amen. And so it's saying at the core of who you are, you have to have people in your life that speak life into you and, and hold your values the same. 
And then we talked about how the geese, uh, Canadian geese, they fly together. And uh, if they were to veer off from the V, they would use over 70% more of their energy when they're not in unity or flocking together. And so when the front bird gets tired, it draws back to the back and it just, it flies in the draft of the other birds and it rests. And so flocking together for the geese is a lot smarter. It's a lot healthier. It's, a, it, it's, it's better. It's more efficient for them to be in a flock together. It also, we know, and you hear it if they've ever flown over your house, the birds in the back are constantly honking or yelling at the birds in front of them, encouraging them, go, go, keep at it. That's how we need to be as a flock of people, speaking life into each other. You can do it. Keep going. We're right behind you. We're with you. Amen. It's too bad too many Christians eat each other up, right? There's too many stones being thrown at other churches and stuff like that. Amen. And so Ephesians 4.29 says, do not let any corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but speak what is good and necessary for encouragement that it may impart grace to those who hear it. That's how we ought to flock together is encouraging one another and speaking into each other's life and uh, and building up this flock. Amen. And so today I want to talk about what does it look like to you know, because we're raising families and it's Father's Day and, and there's kids in our, in our country that, that need father figures, which we'll talk about in a minute. So what does it look like for us to flock together with the next generation or maybe kids uh, coming up underneath us? And so I thought about it like this. I've shared this analogy before. You can't wake up one day and say, you know what, today... I'm going to make the news. I'm going to make the headlines. I'm going to be a hero today. I'm going to save somebody from like a burning car or a burning building. And like, I just decided this morning that I'm going to do that. You can't do that. But every day you can wake up and say, spiritually today, I'm going to save somebody. I'm going to live my day in a way that I'm going to be a hero to somebody. Whether it's an act of generosity, whether you speak a kind word, whether you have an act of forgiveness or compassion to somebody, but you can wake up every day and say, hey, I'm going to be a hero to somebody today spiritually and save them. Because listen, (laughs) I promise you, you could leave here and just in the next two hours, you could find a way that you could have an act where you're helping or inspiring somebody. It's not hard to go throughout the day where all of a sudden you've bumped into somebody really negative. Man, they're really down. They need to speak life. Listen to them. Take the time to listen and hear where their heart is at. Amen. So every day you can wake up and be a hero. You know, you can't save the burning building and all that kind of stuff. But every day, if you have this mindset of, hey, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to be a hero into somebody's life. You can make a difference, especially fathers. Scripture says about fathers that you're the priest of your home. You're the priest of your home, meaning the spiritual temperature and atmosphere runs through you. And I know that there's a lot of people who say, well, I don't know about that, you know, and hey, you're in unity, you're in unity and you're in it together and you're one. And you say, well, I don't have a father in my home and I'm just a single mother and whatever. Well, in that role, you're, you're, you're the priest of the home. You're, you're handling things and, and that's okay. And we, and we, that's a healthy thing. But men, if you're in your home, you have a responsibility. Growing old doesn't make you a man. Somebody say Amen. And so for us, we have to have this understanding and this idea of what happens here runs through me. And uh, I thought about this picture of America. The current picture of fathers in our day is sad. If you look at how the enemy has used culture and TV and movies to paint the picture of fathers, he's done a really good job at belittling the role of the priest of our home. Amen? And uh, you look at the Simpsons and the King of the Hill and the Everybody Loves Raymond and all the comedies. It makes all the men out to be the beer-drinking buffoons that have no idea what's going on. And the problem with that is we've comically accepted that as fathers. Somebody say amen. 
He said, well, you know me, I'm just a screw up. Good thing for my wife. <laughs> like, well, hey, that's not okay. <laughs> Somebody say amen. And I'm not here to beat fathers up. You're going to see it here in a minute that like we're going to walk out of here empowered. But we have to stand up in, 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 in culture and say, listen, it's not okay that we're a joke. It's not okay that we're a comedy act. Now, I'm not saying you got to turn that stuff off and like, oh, we got to start picketing the Simpsons or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying we have to be aware that that's not leading who we are. Statistically, we could see what has destroyed or is destroying our nation. And what I'm speaking of is that right now, one third of all children in America don't have a father figure in their life, in their home. One third, that's 28 million children right now don't have the influence of a father. 28 million children right now don't have the influence of a father in their life. Now, the statistic that I pulled that from says in their home. So 28 million children, one third right now, don't have a father figure in their home. But what if we peeled it back another layer and we said, yeah, there's a father in their home, but they're not acting like a father in their home. What would that number rise to then? Like church, we got to take it serious that we got to start standing in the gap and being a hero to the next generation. Amen. So one third, imagine for me, this nation who I believe was founded on great founding fathers, super healthy families. Amen. Look at the attack on our families and our marriages and our culture. Look at what's going on. It's why, because if we can break up the homes, we can literally, the enemy can literally destroy the foundations of America. Amen. And of course, we know that we were founded on God in scripture. Amen. That's a whole nother sermon another time. But here's the deal. We come into this and, and I always hear preachers get up and be hard like this. Like, rah, rah. But here's what I, I, I have a mentor of mine who always says this. Whenever there's this, you know, whenever the hard stats and a rough time, he always says, well, sounds like the making of a really great Bible story, Right? Right. Uh, you look in scripture, when, when all the wheels fall off, when everything goes wrong, when everything falls apart, then that's when God steps in and does the miracle and the supernatural, amen? So same thing, you turn on your news and you go, man, everything's falling apart. Well, guess what? It sounds like the beginning of a really great Bible story, right? Crisis hits in South Carolina and the church responds not in hate, especially a race issue. Instead, they respond in forgiveness immediately. Sounds like the start of a really great Bible story, Amen. I don't know that it's going to be like Ferguson riots and all these petitions and people showing up to speak on behalf. What if the churches just started responding the way God called us to? Somebody say amen. Okay. So I believe that we can do that. It's the start of a really great Bible story. It's the start of a really great move of God in our country if we can identify what's happening and then come in and meet the need. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is upon you. Number two, or verse 2 Darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord is rising upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. The translation of arise and shine means to stand up and stand out. What if we could be a people that say, hey, in every situation, in every scenario, we're not going to lay down. We're not going to be a closet Christian. We're not going to be a person who just pickets with hate words. We're going to be people that are going to stand up and stand out and just people that shine light. Somebody say amen. amen. What if we could say, hey, this is the situation with things, but we're going to get involved in Kids Hope and we're going to serve in our local church's kids ministries and we're going to meet the need. Somebody say amen. That's how we're going to do it is when we stand up and stand out and we let our light shine. And so I'm so thankful that the scripture says that in the last days, God is going to pour out on his people. And the scripture says that the world will be drawn to the light. 
It's not going to be drawn to a really smooth preacher who says everything perfectly and polished. And we have all these, it's going to be people that can get into the trenches and show love and give when it's not required of them to give when they get nothing back. Say that's good. So we have to stop being the people who just speak scriptures and send people to church. Like, oh, say a few things and then you need to go to church. We need to be a people, like the scripture says, that stand up and stand out and make a difference in our communities. Three thoughts that I have here and how we can be impactful. Super easy things, and then we'll jump out of here. Uh, three things, very practical, very simple for you to write down. It works in our families, but it also works in how we interact with our community. The first one that we have to do is we have to strive for excellence. If we want to be a people who stand up and stand out and make a difference in our community, we need to be a people that strive for excellence. We can't just keep doing things in the name of God that are just kind of lazy and put together and haphazard and just, oh, we'll do that. We got to be a people who strive for doing things excellently. Well, you just said it wasn't about having polished buildings, not having that. It's about saying, hey, I care about you enough that I'm putting my best into this. It's too often that we're like, well, I'm just doing this and you get what you deserve. There's an old saying out there that says like, good enough for who it's for. The church has operated like that too often, right? So excellence isn't about like, how we look and making everything. It's about saying, hey, I believe in you so much, I'm going to give you my best. The scripture says that Bible, the Bible teaches us people who had influence had excellence. The scripture says about David that he played his harp skillfully. He knew what he was doing on the harp. Daniel, they said about Daniel, was in him was found an excellent spirit. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they took a stand in their culture, the scripture said about them that their countenance was fairer meaning they like had an excellence about them. We also know the scripture that says when the queen of Sheba went to Solomon's house, the scripture says that she was so impressed by their people and the servants that they said, she said that happy are thine servants and that there's excellence in this building. Literally, she was impressed by the things of God because of the structure of the house that they had built with excellence and with joyful people. Let it be said about us that our church and our homes, uh, we strive for such excellence that literally people say, wow, you know, they've, they've put so much excellence and they've done their best with everything that they do that it's created joy in their homes and it's made their kids happy. And like, I think we see too many grouchy Christians, right? Like we should start a campaign, start peeling off some of those grouchy bumper stickers people have. Like, oh, you drive a Ford, the devil's going to get you. I don't know if that's a Christian one, but... But yeah, it's just me. It's my feeling. <laughs> no. uh, but it's for real. Like all we do is yell at people. It's like, oh, here comes another Christian. <laughs> get ready to get lectured, right? And so if we just start living in our ways where we're excellent and we're joyful people and we're, and we're contagious, our, we stand up and we stand out in the lightness, the scripture says that people will be drawn to us from nations. And I'm not talking about drawn to Zealand or drawn to Michigan. I'm talking about be nations will be drawn to the ways and the things of God. Amen? People, you've heard me say this before, people may never read the Bible or they may never come to church, but they'll read you. So they may never come read it in a Bible. They may never come experience in a church, but they'll experience the things of God based on the way that we live in our everyday life. Amen? Number two, uh, so same thing with your kids. Let me back up and like being a father. Uh, Strive for excellence with your kids. You know, don't just do whatever it takes to get the day done. I mean, you know, that's easy to do. 
as a parent, like, oh, God, let's just get out of Monday, you know, like, get them to bed. Like, so can we tie them in a sleeping bag? Would they die? Google that. Will they die if a kid does in a sleeping bag? <laughs> um, I've never done that. I'm just, I've read it. But no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so we can't, so strive for excellence. If you have goals and values, if you pray at night, if you do your thing, and, and Vertical Kids is doing an awesome job. If you haven't subscribed to our Facebook page yet, the Vertical Kids one, they're sharing articles about uh, what to talk about with your kids in their car, what to pray with them about, all this different stuff. Use those resources. Strive for excellence in how we raise our kids because it'll make a difference. Amen? Amen. So as a father, man, strive for excellence. Don't just lay it up. Don't just leave it for mom to do. Amen? Okay. Good. So number two, this is a fun one. Number two, accept failure. Accept failure. As a parent, as a dad, especially as a dad with pride and all the stuff that we have going, just accept failure. It's totally, well, what are you talking about? Listen, we get so prideful that it's like, I'm not going to do that. Mom can do that. I'm not going to do that. Because, because what? Because you might fail? Because you might not do it perfectly? All of us have put like the outfit back on without buttoning the onesie, right? Dad's like, right? It's like, what's hanging out of your thing? Oh, that's the bottom of the onesie. (laughs) Stay downstairs, honey. Everything's good up here. But accept failure. Here's what, and moms too, and granddads and everybody, here's what I want you to hear. Accept failure because perfect parenting is impossible. So many times we're like, hey, I'm not going to do that, or we're not going to try to do that, or we're not going to do this because it might not work out. It might go wrong. They might throw a fit. They might embarrass me. They might not be per. They're kids. They're not going to work. It's not going to work out. They will embarrass you. It will make a mess. You know what I don't have anymore? Clean clothes. <laughs> Because I have kids, okay? I have a two and a half year old and a 10 week old. Yesterday before I went to a graduate party, I got peed on. (laughs) I don't even know who did it. (laughs) It's like, Jess, I haven't held the kids in a couple hours, but I think I have pee on me. I know who did it. But accept failure. It's fine. The world's not going to end. It's fine. Totally accept failure. Just try. Just try to do some stuff. I was, um, when we had Charlie, it was like, I don't know, week two of having him, and Jess was super tired, and Caroline is involved in dance, like ballerina dance or whatever it's called, and um, so I'm like, yeah, I'll take her to dance. I can do this um, by myself. You can stay home and get rest, and um, so the trouble with ballerina stuff, there's quite a bit of layers you have to put together, (laughs) and as I just shared, I struggle with onesies, okay? (laughs) And so, uh, of course, Jess crochets everything, so it's like the booty things and all this stuff. And uh, so, so, Jess, you get her ready. I'll take her there. It's an hour. She'll love it. We'll have fun. We'll go do that. And so there's about, you know, 20 other moms there. And so she gets her ready, gets her all looking cute. We go there, and, uh, and we sit down, and the teacher comes out. I say, hey, class, everyone, whatever, something. I was starting to panic already. Hey, everyone, great news today. We, um, we got your official recital outfits in the mail like they're here today and we all get to try them on it's like oh wonderful so you mean like take them home and try them on and bring them back no no why don't you take off everything that she has and put the new one on and then she's going to do a dance and then put the whole old one back on i have to do three wardrobe changes it's like hey miss marie um 
Have you ever seen a onesie? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I struggle with those. <laughs> so anyway, so I could have got a bad attitude and freaked out, but you know what? I was at dance with my daughter. Right? She's not going to care if, like, her strap was backwards. And I think she was suffocating or whatever. <laughs> She's going to remember we went to dance. We went to breakfast. We had a day that I could have missed out on because I was afraid of failing at taking her to dance and being embarrassed in front of a bunch of weird dance moms. <laughs> and I want you to know for the record, she was the second to last one in there with her outfit on. We weren't the last, only second to last. And I got it all, yeah. So, but seriously, we, yeah, thank you. We get so caught up in like, oh, we're afraid to fail or oh, it's gonna be a hassle or oh, it's gonna be a thing. You're gonna fail and that's totally cool because you can fail forward, okay? Everything doesn't have to go perfectly according to plan. Sometimes you just have to go with the flow. I'll close with this, Maddie, if you wanna come play. I've learned that in our lives, you guys all know this. You've, you've gotten a kid, your kids a present, and you want them to play with the toy, and they play with the box. You have to have that mentality of like, oh, we want to create a moment for our kids, and we want them to learn, and we want them to get this, and we want them to do And then it doesn't go according to plan. It doesn't go that way. And your reaction can actually teach them more than what you were originally trying to teach them or lay out for them in the beginning, right? We were at my sister-in-law's wedding so we did the wedding for my sister-in-law and it was on the beach it was like on the lake or whatever and caroline's in all her beautiful wedding outfit and cowboy boots that somebody ripped us off for like a million dollars you know kids boots long day we set up for days you know did all this stuff like for the wedding and she was so great all weekend being perfect you know helping us like just enduring you know basically wedding setup so at the end of the wedding all she wanted to do was go stand in the lake in those cowboy boots and throw rocks. Yeah. So the beginning of it, it was like, Jess, go out there. She's in the lake again. This is crazy. She's in the... Bring her in here. She needs to have fun in here. She's having fun at the lake. So I'd go out and get her and Jess would go out and get her. And finally we were like, you know what? She's just standing in the lake throwing rocks. Who cares? <laughs> right? Like what's a $10 pair of boots versus us going out there and... So we have to do that in our lives. We have to learn to, hey, standing in the gap for the next generation, you're gonna fail, you're gonna mess up, you're gonna say it wrong, you're gonna do it wrong. But if our mindset is like, hey, we're gonna fail forward, but the moments are gonna be godly and be healthy, let's do that. Amen? Number three, intentionally speak life. Intentionally speak life. We, uh, I was talking to Vanessa, our children's director, this morning. We we're talking about, you know, you get up in the morning, and the first thing you start doing is uh, uh, eat your this, eat your that, sit there, eat here, do this, do that. What if in the morning we woke up and we just knew, like, hey, the first thing I'm going to do is speak life. And we do a pretty good job. Like, oh, hey, you look beautiful. Look at your hair. We look at each other like, look at her hair. <laughs> you look so pretty. <laughs> um, so... But speak life, like right off the bat. Think of starting your day, like speaking life into your young person or your grandkids or whoever you're with, honestly, it translates. But I thought about this. We work so hard, dads, at I'm gonna be the dad. I'm gonna be the priest of the home. I'm gonna be the father. I'm gonna be the breadwinner. I heard this thought. It's great, you go have a job and you bring in income and you build the home and you do the thing. But I thought about, or I heard this great thought. 
said that prayer is the roof to your home. Prayer is the covering over everything that you work hard for. Got a good job and you work hard and you grind and you do all this stuff and you said, well, my kids, they go to a good school and they do all this kind of stuff. But if you're not praying for your kids, they don't have a roof over everything that you've built. We have to be praying for our kids daily. Amen? Here's the thing. They don't have to be perfect prayers because the kids learn along the way. As you speak life and speak healthy things, kids catch it. I went back to CrossFit this week, which is our workout thing, which is witchcraft. Um, and uh, you jump on boxes and do all this different stuff. And anyway, my legs have been so sore that literally when I go down the stairs, I like hold the rail and like just barely get down the stairs. So of course my wife, she always threatens to like push me. She's like, we're leaving. And she's like, oh, would you fall if I did this? You know, like kind of. So last night, Caroline, we're, you know, she, Carol, Jess, was, it was her turn. She's praying with Caroline. And uh, she's like, hey, what do you want to pray for daddy for? She's like, I want to pray he doesn't fall down the stairs. <laughs> and that's not funny because I need that prayer. I need that. But listen, she's putting together prayer. She's taking something that happened in the day and bringing it to God. Yeah, we've prayed about Peter Pan and we've prayed about a lot of crazy stuff. But now we've connected the dots because we've used our words and we've spoke life and we've put a roof over. Amen? Um, another great story. I'll just give you this because we have time. You have to watch what you say and how you say it. I know you all know this, but there's so much power in our words. Uh, Charlie came along, obviously, and so with a little child, you know, that they start craving the attention. Oh, I need the attention. I need the attention. So uh, we had just parked and just got Charlie out of the seat and had him in the front. And I'm doing all the, hey, buddy, you know, talking to him. And she, Caroline's in her back seat. And she's going, daddy, mama, daddy. She's like, and of course, thinks of an ouchie. I got an ouchie. I got an ouchie. So we're kind of ignoring her. You know, I was like, hey, Charlie. I'm still talking to Charlie. Daddy, mama, I got, daddy, mommy, I got an ouchie. And then finally she goes, daddy, mama, I'm dying. Because <laughs> we always say to her, Caroline, just a minute. You're not dying. <laughs> so she threw, I'm dying. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we better do something about that. But do you notice how they catch stuff? So we got to speak life, speak life, speak the things of God, speak these patterns over them. Every, I, I, I heard this through Dobson when I was studying this. For every criticism you have to make, you should think of seven positives to follow them up with. So when you have to discipline, when you have to, hey, have a seat, you're in a timeout, you did this, be intentional in the next time to find seven different things to build them back up. I thought of a great uh, parenting tool that, that came through some of our Vertical Kids article, especially those of you that have older kids. Uh, an article we put up, which I'll repost for you. We put up an article this week that said, catch them doing something good. We always catch them doing something naughty, but why don't you step in and catch them doing something good? Hey, I noticed you did something really good. Older kids, they said, you should write a letter. Just give them something to actually hold and keep. Seven, eight-year-olds, nine, 10-year-olds, like, hey, I noticed today you did this. It's positive. It's powerful. Amen? And then I thought about this. A lot of times with our little ones, we get really frustrated. They're, you know, they're running around. They're crazy. They got all this whatever. But a lot of times we spend a lot of energy trying to shut down a personality type or something that is actually what then later in life we're trying to re-encourage again. We have to be careful to not snuff out at a young age what God really created and designed them to be. 
obviously really naughty behavior we work on, whatever. But there's just some free will, there's some action, there's some verbal stuff that God created that in them. And we can't break it as a young age because God put it in them. So they're, <laughs> bless your heart if this is you, <laughs> but they're up early and they're at it and they're active. And then, and then when they're a teenager, you're shaking them, get up. <laughs> and for the first 10 years of their life, you're like, stay in bed. <laughs> but you just got to think like, hey, God, speak to me, reveal to me. Like, what is their personality type that you've put in them that I need to make sure I don't squash as bad behavior that later I'm going to try to encourage super social. My daughter's super social. And so we, oh, we love that. So she's so social until then we take her to the beach the first time. And she's on that person's blanket, that person's blanket, talking to every stranger, eating their sandwiches. Like, why do you like people? This is awful. You know, like, but seriously, we just got to watch how we nurture and, and uh, encourage. Amen. And so that's grandparents, parents, cousins, aunts, uncles, all that stuff. Like we have a role to play in this generation, especially with the statistics that we see. Amen. God, we love you so much. Lord, we thank you for this word. Lord, we thank you that we are living in the start of a great Bible story. Lord, we know in these last days, the scripture says that you're going to empty yourselves on the earth. You're going to pour out all of who you are into our nations, into our schools, into our homes. Lord, as fathers who lead the homes, Lord, we ask that you give us the desire to be excellent, the desire to be okay with failing, the desire to speak life intentionally. Lord, we just ask that all these homes, uh, Lord, that are broken, that don't have father figures, Lord, we ask that you send father types. Let churches come in and stand alongside. In Jesus' name, for your glory, amen.